What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, Teen Girl Talk listeners. Are you shopping online this Black Friday and Cyber Monday? This year, you need to make sure you add Parade to the list. Going to the mall to try on bras and underwear during Black Friday is a nightmare, and you no longer need to worry about it. If you're worried about sizing, Parade has a Find Your Bra Size quiz, so you can find your size without ever having to leave your bed. Shop this sale season in ease with Parade's 45% off limited time promotion for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Everyone else has to spend $250 to get this deal, but you don't. When you use my code BFTEENGIRLTALK at checkout. I've always been envious of women who can wear those cute little triangle bras. I find they do not support me. They give up halfway through the day and are generally uncomfortable. I stopped wearing underwear bras about five years ago, and I will never go back. Parade provides cute bras that have no underwire and provide support. What a novel idea. (laughs) These designs are cute and color-blocked adorableness. You can find sustainable undergarments that last more than one wash. They make me feel good and they don't break the bank. Parade has become the answer. They are creating creative basics that are designed to make you feel like your truest self. And they have sizes ranging from extra small to 3XL. You may have previously seen them go viral on TikTok, like their super soft sleep pants, their seamless, universal, smooth lift triangle bralette, or their smoothing, nearly naked, seamless bodysuit. I got the smooth lift triangle bralette, and it is better than a push-up bra. It gives your cleavage a boost, and it is still comfortable to wear all day because there is no underwire. As I said, I hate underwire. It is a devil creation. For all of my larger chested girls out there, represent, woo-woo, it has a wide band that's super supportive and doesn't dig into you, and it's lightweight. Tis the season to give a gift to your friends, family, and loved ones that they will actually use. And not only is Parade doing good things in the underwear world, they are also donating 1% of their sales to organizations they believe in. They have the cutest Zodiac underwear for the astrology lover in your life. And days of the week underwear. So you can get a little good while doing a little good. You won't want to miss out on this once a year 
up to 45% off sale. And you can get that at checkout with the code BFTEENGIRLTALK. Once December hits, you can still use my code for a little less, 20% off, but don't worry. It's still a great discount. So join the parade and get sustainable, creative basics that prioritize comfort and quality. Take up to 45% off at checkout when you use my code BFTEENGIRLTALK at checkout. Welcome to the parade, an underwear story that represents you. Teen Girl Talk. I'm Susie Coda, and this week we are very lucky to have with us Lori Steven, who is the series creator and creative director of The Other Path, as well as the artistic director of Odyssey Theater in Ottawa, Canada. So we are super excited today to um, really get into the creative process of both the podcast as well as you know the world of theater uh welcome lori oh thank you um can you uh start off by telling me a little bit about what brought you to the other path and inspired you to um sort of take this podcast journey uh well i'm uh, as you mentioned i'm the artistic director of a theater company and uh, about five years before the pandemic, I had my goddaughter living with uh, me and um, she introduced me to the whole world, her world of digital media programming. And I got really excited by it. And I thought, oh, you know, theater has got to get with the program. We've got to be doing <laughs> live theater in conjunction with digital things. And uh, then I let that go because I had no time, no money, nothing. And then the pandemic hit and it shut theaters, shut live theater down. And I thought, okay, this is the time because we it was really, really hard for artists um, suddenly with no work. And so I thought we've got to keep artists working and we've got to keep connected with audiences. And so I thought this is the time to go digital. And um, mm -hmm. I was intrigued by audio drama. Because it is, uh, I love theater that is imaginative. And audio drama lets your imagination go wherever you want it to go. So that's kind of what started it. That makes so much sense to me. I, I have to say, I was really inspired by um, sort of the different workarounds that theater companies did during the pandemic. Uh, I had subscribed to one where they did sort of an epistolary back and forth between two characters. They mailed it to you. And then once everything opened up again, they, the conclusion was in a play. Um, <laughs> but so you brought up audio drama and what I like so much uh, about the other path is that, and this reminds me of um, obviously I wasn't around during the time when radio drama was, you know, what a, a like pre TV, but I like that it's both sort of this, uh, like pot, we always think of podcasts as this new 
ground to break, but really it's almost traditional in the way that radio drama was. I, and I was very interested in how the, sca- the soundscape was built in the other path, because I do feel as if I'm there with the characters, I'm immersed. And I was wondering, how did you approach that? How did you really build out that world without the visual? Oh, that was really tricky. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, what I had to start with, and I guess that's because I'm a theater director, is I had to start imagining the whole world as if it were on the stage. And I knew, I knew, I listened to a lot of uh, radio dramas. I read radio drama scripts. Um, and I knew that I needed to create that I, what I what I would normally create on stage with sets and lighting and sound effects and action I had to create that all in out of sound and music and mm-hmm. actors voices obviously but but what I would do is I would picture where the this took place and I, I actually went out I went out to forests and stood in forests oh wow and and said what can you hear Mm -hmm. Uh, I started paying attention to the sound of what it's like when you're in a car driving when it stopped when the window is open like what can you actually hear I had to actually listen to the world which is something we don't do these days Mm -hmm. and and then I worked with a sound designer and, you know, I had to give great detailed description of uh, where the, the action was taking place. And he would come up with stuff. And, you know, if you want to if you want to set it at night, I would say, OK, put in owls. He said, no, you can't put in owls every time you hit a <laughs> nighttime forest. You know, it's cliche. And I'm going, oh, OK. So you find out that there's a whole lot of animals that make strange noises at night. Mm-hmm. Right. And um and so we did work back and forth to try and create something that captured the feeling of it. But but on top of that, you have to create like a three-dimensional space. Mm-hmm. You have to make, make people feel that there's a, an actual space and not just voices. And so, and you know, what happens is you've got this soundscape in the background, and then you've got actors who record in a studio right on a mic. Mm-hmm. So first we learn microphone technique. So you can move close to the microphone or you can move mm-hmm. away from the microphone. You learn to shout. And, and I would say to actors, okay, you've got to shout as if you're on a mountaintop. Mm-hmm. And, and they can just instinctively do it. Um, they can kind of internalize what that would be like and create a different sound coming out of their bodies, imagining where they are. Or you say, okay, this this line you say, it comes right after a big crack of thunder. And so <laughs> that's got to jolt your body and out comes a sound. And then I'd have to think, okay, now are these characters getting closer together? Like I would um, I would actually draw out how I would stage it on the on on a stage. Mm-hmm. And then I would say, okay, if these actors are coming closer together, your voices have to get more intimate over the scene. Or if you're running away, you're going to trail off in the distance. And then you work mm-hmm. with the sound designer to create stereo effects of right and left and all that. So yeah, it was it was a whole new world for me. How did the um like 
I love I love that you explained to us the process of you know coaching the actors and I'm think I'm you know no spoilers but there's a in the first episode there is a climactic scene that takes place on a street and it did feel I could feel the distance you're talking about like when characters stepped away or they're physically interacting how did the actors record were they all in the same studio did people do their lines at different times or was it almost like a round uh, like a table read where everyone is there and feeding off of each other's energy well we had two workshops um with all the actors there and the writers there at bare at different points in the writing mm-hmm. process so that the writers could actually hear it, their script and the actors got a chance. We did that. That was in the height of the pandemic. We did that by Zoom. And so oh, act- cool. actors, yeah. So actors could kind of see each other. But then when we did the actual recording, it's one day in the studio. And fortunately, we had a big enough studio that they could all be in it at once. Mm-hmm. But I, I had to tell them, you can't look at each other. You have to listen and have a relationship with your microphone <laughs> which is, because if you look at each other then there's all this facial expression that the audience will never never see whereas if it's just you and the microphone and the sound in your ears then mm-hmm. you start to channel everything through your voice that's so smart I wouldn't even because I'm a person who talks with my hands so and I really <laughs> only when I see recordings of myself am I aware of how um how much I depend on sort of visual expression so that that is such an interesting point that if they can only uh, use sound that that would it would be conveyed um more clearly through that because I did feel like the relationships between the characters I, I felt read very natural and there seemed to be an ease between the characters that I really appreciated. Um, so when you were all building out the series of stories, the other part I really love about it is I grew up reading compilations of like sh- scary short stories or sort of like um, fantasy and other world short stories. How did you go through the selection process of the stories and um make it up or uh, decide, you know, how you were going to build the release schedule? Well, the, um, I guess the first thing is I came up with the idea that I wanted writers to take a folktale and set Mm -hmm. it in the contemporary world, retell it and wherever that led them, they could go there Mm -hmm. in, in the contemporary world. And I said, like my guidelines were pretty wide open because I mean, I said, I said things like, you know, it should be haunting, maybe starkly magical, Mm -hmm. contemporary. Maybe you could have a hint of comedy. Um, But then I set out to find writers that I wanted to work with. And I had no idea what the stories would be. I just wanted to find the right writers. And so I read, I read hundreds, it was great. <laughs> I read hundreds of plays and uh, novels. And I want to, I also wanted, the thing I wanted to do with this too, was I thought there could be an interesting mix of fantasy fiction writers, playwrights, mm-hmm. and 
folklorists, all of whom would bring a kind of different perspective to putting this together. And so I read all this stuff and I reached out to writers that had written something that really moved me. Mm-hmm. And then once they came on board, I basically what I told you, I told them mm-hmm. and they came back with a proposal. So I didn't um, tell them what the stories should be or or how to treat them or what the theme should be. They did that. That's so cool. Um, I'm thinking of the, the second story in particular where um, I had never heard of a porch raid before but it's a, a big plot point in the <laughs> second story and I'm like am I supposed to like these characters because this is this thing they're doing like I don't like and I, I liked that too even that it's not there's not a Mary Sue aspect to this right you're not just gonna <laughs> love every character at the face of it and that also uh belies folklores to me and I have to tell you I work in a library part-time and kids still love folktales and folklore so much it is one of it's uh under the dewey decimal system it has a i think it's like three nine eight or whatever those books are taken out so consistently and i i wonder what do you think it is about humans that we love folktales so much because they they resonate but like what is their staying power that you know i I'm so curious about that because it does seem to be this ever present part of, of our collective history. Well, I think that's, I think that's, I think you kind of hit on it. It is a a continuous part of our history and, Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, these folk tales, a lot of which were collected in, you know, the, 18th and 19th centuries they sometimes feel old but they've been it's like there's stories that maybe started as a as a tale in town and then they got told and retold and retold till they got distilled into something really potent mm-hmm. and and um I, I think that underneath the story underneath whatever its trappings are there's something really important being said there is a there's a folktale. It's a little folktale. It's a ridiculous folktale to begin <laughs> with. It's called The Fisherman and His Wife. And the <laughs> fisherman meets a magic flounder. <laughs> and, <laughs> know, and the wife finds out and she said, Oh, wow, we got to take advantage of this. And they live in what's called a piss pot, which is, I, I take it, a you know, a dirty shack. And mm-hmm. she said, okay, get the flounder to give us a, a house. And they get mm-hmm. a house and that's good. Then she said, okay, I want a stone castle. And mm-hmm. she gets the stone castle. And then she says, I want to be king. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. The husband goes to the flounder. And so she's king. And then she's emperor. And then she's pope. Finally, she says, I want to be God. And, <laughs> and she ends up back in her piss pot. Now, now we, we, we think of this as kind of funny story yeah. and, and a ridiculous fisherman's wife and mm-hmm. uh, but then when you start to translate that into today mm-hmm. you start thinking and 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 you dig inside yourself well how mm-hmm. many people have taken one potato chip and they couldn't stop and they ate the whole bag yeah or how many how many people you know you find out these people that have 150 pairs of shoes in their closet mm-hmm. <laughs> or people that are workaholics and they just can't stop 
working. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's always one more thing before they're going to really enjoy life. So it's that same spread that's under the folktale of this fisherman's wife as is under something that's really powerful today. And we can we can touch that when we when we listen to folk tales. We we touch something that's powerful today, but we touch it in a really fun uh, fun way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that totally makes sense to me. That you know, no matter how much technology we get or evolve or whatever, we're still deep down in there. We are still the same same humans, <laughs> same base <laughs> desires. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to explore a little how, so now, um, now that we're, you know, for all intents and purposes, back to normal, quote unquote, um, are there things that you brought from doing the other path to back to the theater like, that have been able to sort of translate or map on or vice versa, like with the podcast? Uh, well, when I go back, um, we're just getting back now, and mm-hmm. and when I go back, I'm really interested in like where we've worked at the theater. It, we've done folk tales for con- it, making them feel contemporary and be for an adult audience. We've done that mm-hmm. before, but in this series, I kind of went radically. It's in the contemporary world. It's now. Mm-hmm. It, it, you've got to make it feel now. And that was really exciting. And so so I think that will come back to, to influence our work there. And oh, so will the precision that's demanded of audio drama. You're mm-hmm. so precise. You can't you can't say, oh, he knocks on the door. You've got to say how many knocks, what kind of door, how loud mm-hmm. do they get louder? So precision will come back. Mm-hmm. And um and the connections with the writers I've developed, I think that's been really important, really exciting. Mm-hmm. And I, I think those relationships will continue. So you had mentioned um, all that you had read and, and taken in. What were some of the the main like inspirations or um, like what material did you really dig into to because it sounds like you know you were doing a lot of this in the theater pre um podcast but what were some of the the neat things that you found while preparing for the podcast well i think each of the writers brought something really interesting to it mm-hmm. um uh, cs mcath took an, a bavarian folktale about mm-hmm. this about this you know if you read the original folktale you think oh this wretched girl she traded she traded her future life in a sense for beauty how shallow is that but in kelly's hands um she takes you into the world of this girl and she's created a kind of contemporary now but it's totally fashion dominated mm-hmm. and and this girl is the ugly duckling and she's shunned and you can feel her misery and you can feel the desperation of of making a, a deal with dark magical forces to fit in. So I I love I loved um, I loved how each of the writers brought something personal to it. Mm-hmm. Dan Dan Peretti is a, a Italian American 
folklorist. He's actually living in Newfoundland now. Um, mm -hmm. But he um, he grew up in an industrial town near Detroit that looked across a river. <laughs> and I actually just found it that later. Looked across the river towards the quaint Canada, right? Oh, and, wow. And, and so what he does is he creates this East Coast town that's divided by a river and on one side is the new world side the modern mm -hmm. side the industrial side and on the other side it's medieval and this is a this is a story about a, a girl who goes back to her hometown to find a missing friend and has the face face being back in the hometown and being recognized for who she was and not who she is and and he talks about what he has felt like when he goes back to his hometown. So mm -hmm. uh, I really like what each of the writers brought from their personal, their personal life into the mm -hmm. stories. Yeah, because it's, and there's always more of a, you can feel the sincerity and when a story is genuine, um, we, that's a theme that comes up on the podcast a lot when we talk about, movies or books we can tell were written by someone that was trying to write sort of at like way way out of their experience without doing the uh, research and I think that when that happens there um there's this underestimation of people pick up on that right like we it, it's um sort of a I, I guess I would call it like an excuse my language, but like a bullshit meter. Like when someone's speaking to their experience or their feelings, that comes through as much as the inverse. So that's cool that like they they took their experience and then ported it over to a folklore. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for um chatting with me today. Can you tell me uh where people can uh, find the podcast, find your work, uh, you know, on the World Wide Web. Yes. <laughs> okay. To listen to the series, you can go to our website, which is theotherpath.ca, or you can find us on any of your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google. Um, you can follow The Other Path on Instagram and Facebook at The Other Path Podcast and on Twitter at The Other Path Pod. Um, and if you go onto our website, which once again is theotherpath.ca, you'll get a lot of information and updates about new episodes, series events, bonus content, and you can read my folklore blog. Awesome. Well, again, Lori, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, we will put all those links in the episode notes. Um, and do you have any parting advice or wisdom or for our listeners? This is one of my favorite questions because <laughs> I feel like on the way out, we get uh, always like a nice snapshot. <laughs> well, you know, when I went into the other path, uh, when I started a theater company, I didn't know what I was doing and I did it. And it turned out <laughs> to be really hard, but I'm glad I did it. And same thing with this podcast series. I went into it thinking, oh, you know, this will be fun. This will be easy. And it wasn't. But I'm really glad <laughs> I did it. So I guess my my advice coming out of that is if you've got something you want to do or if you've got uh, if you love something, just do it. Just believe in yourself. 
do it, get advice from lots of people, but it, it's doable. That's awesome. Thank you. And okay. thank you again for yeah, being with thank us. You. Yeah, thank uh, you. Everyone should check out The Other Path. And until next week, I am Suzy Coda. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.